I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I do love your frequent use of the word lezzy, keeping that going. I love lezzy. That's when my, I, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and we were like, oh, she's a lezzy. <laughs> the gym teacher was a lezzy. I love it. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that most definitely listens to Girl in Red. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are diking out with comedy legend Judy Gold about PC culture. First, some announcements and some chit chat. You can go on Etsy and buy some diking out merch if you would like. We have these little diking out U hauler packs with enamel pins, stickers, temporary tattoos that you can buy to support the podcast if for whatever reason you don't want to be one of our patrons, which I don't think there's a good reason for that, but you know, to each their own. If you are on Patreon, make sure you go and check out that episode we did with Jess Henderson about shrooms, magical mushrooms, allegedly, just to cover us. Oh, <laughs> it's a very hypothetical conversation about mushrooms. In theory, Yes. We talk about psychedelics. Also, you can rate us five stars, review us on iTunes. It helps, but only if you rate us five stars. If not, you just leave us reviews that either make us really sad, angry, or laugh a lot. And a recent one really... (laughs) This one made you laugh. This one made me laugh. I don't want to encourage this, 
behavior from our U-Haulers, but uh, somebody had gone and listened to an old episode. There, <laughs> I want to shout out their uh, handle on iTunes, but it's just a lot of consonants together. Uh, yeah. with, no, <laughs> Nuku Plumnajuya. I think is the correct pronunciation. So they had the title of their review, Terribly Ageist. And I honestly went into this thinking that it was going to be a young person. I did too when I saw that title. That was like, they're always saying we're so young and not to worry, blah, blah, blah. You know, (laughs) usually in our (laughs) listener questions, it's like, don't worry, you're only 19, break up with them. You have plenty of life ahead of you. (laughs) No, this person wrote... If you can follow anything that's said in between all the giggles and the howling, good luck. I came to hear the interview with Madeline Olneck. That's our Emily Dickinson episode. Uh, and fortunately, the guest was able to prevail over the inappropriate laughter. But since I was there, I've listened to a few others and didn't appreciate the not subtle at all attitude towards older people. I have no idea. What do you have to say for yourself? Because this was before my time. And, um, you know, I don't want to be associated with this howling and this behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got off uh, scot-free because I don't know what she's talking about. All I talk about is like the older women that I have crushes on. Like if I were to make a list of all my celebrity crushes, I think the median age is like 55. Yeah, that's true. At least. At least. like You like older women too much. I do. Always in theory and not in practice. I, I always wanted to. I always wanted to land like a, an older babe. But I think actually my wife is like the oldest person that I've had a relationship with. And uh, it's not, she's not even that much older. She's like four years older than me. But I play it up a lot just to fulfill that fantasy. So I'm always calling her like old lady and making a lot of comments about that that I'm sure she appreciates. And I'm sure you'll appreciate that I don't feel ageist because I co-host this with you and... (laughs) (laughs) You jerk! (laughs) And you are... I'm your elder. You're just as older than me than Cecilia is older than you, I think. So we're fine here. Yeah, I am the elder dyke. (laughs) of this podcast (laughs) yeah but anyways uh rate review subscribe and you know (laughs) keep it nice or keep it moving yeah help us out and and if you're an older person who's insecure about your age and how we feel about you send nudes just kidding (laughs) don't do that but (laughs) if i were single maybe uh, yeah. to, to care at gmail.com. Right. <laughs> oh man. Uh, speaking of Cecilia, she had surgery this week and that's been that's been most of my week. Uh been trying to have a, a normal gay week, but instead I've been taking care of her a lot. It was a minor surgery. I do want to say she's fine, except she has like an on and off fever, which isn't great after surgery and we've been watching a lot of Downton Abbey because she's like very (laughs) she's very sensitive to everything right now like light sound whatever so she wanted to watch something uh very gentle and that was the first thing that came to mind was that's so funny I was literally just like an hour ago watching clips 
uh, from Maggie Smith's performance on Downton Abbey. I used to watch it's it when best. it was on, but I saw there's like a viral tweet going around today that was like, your personality is the combination of two celebrities that share your birthday. And I saw mine was Maggie Smith and Denzel Washington. And I was like, yeah, that checks out. Um, (laughs) And I was reminded of how great she is in that show. And I've just been watching compilations on YouTube right before we recorded. Oh my God. I mean, that's the reason to watch the show. The, the writing for her character is the best. Uh, every day I'm thankful that Maggie Smith is still alive. I mean, I speaking of older babes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what is a weekend? <laughs> so are you just like watching it from the beginning? Yeah, but I actually, I think we're getting to the point now where I had stopped watching because the show really it got crazy it gets crazy and it gets just like very annoying and like the annoying characters outweigh the non-annoying characters and like all the good characters get killed off except for maggie smith's character but it did make me feel a little bit uncomfortable with how much we were rooting for uh mary and matthew because normally i'm not rooting for heterosexuals i i do this thing where whenever i watch like a very straight show anytime there's like a remotely uh emotional moment between two women i yell kiss yeah i do that i say make out like a bro (laughs) yeah like kiss damn it (laughs) which is fun in downton abbey because it's like (laughs) it's always like a lady's maid and then one of the (laughs) yeah rich ladies i'm just like do it do it just make out right now it gets more inappropriate when I do that when Cecilia's watching Law and Order SVU because it's always like a victim in Olivia Benson and me yelling <laughs> kiss. I don't know. I do that when I watch the WNBA, so I guess I get it. <laughs> oh, man. That's so gay. Good love, good defense. Get close. Get in her face. Yes. I bet if they added kissing to the WNBA, reviews would go way up. Yep. And now that we said that, reviews for our podcast, way down. (laughs) Afraid to say anything. Now we sound like two dudes talking about the WNBA. Maybe those chicks made out. I'd watch it. Yep. But it's true. But they're really sexy. Oh, man. Um... Speaking of sexy. Yeah. I think, was I with you? Ooh, Carolyn and I saw each other for the first time. We did. Speaking of sexy, Carolyn and I saw each other for the first time (laughs) for just a few minutes in passing for the first time since March. And what's sexy about that is I think a listener had written in right at the moment that we saw each other and alerted the Diking Out Instagram account of the Cara Delevingne Halsey news. Yes. That's yes. what's sexy. <laughs> and I love it because their exes are dating. Yeah. So now what a power they're move. dating. Yeah. What a dyke power move. Love a revenge relationship. This has been a long time coming, though. I remember in like 2014, 15, like a while back, Halsey had tweeted something like, um, at Cara Delevingne, are you in Paris if so, want to make out like something like that. What? Yeah. Like years ago. Wow. So, wow. Kudos and congrats to them. Everybody shoot your shot <laughs> right now on Twitter. And then yeah. see how that plays out. In five years, it could happen. 
If a pandemic happens and you're quarantining in the same city, you know? Right. And if it is Cara Delevingne, there's a good chance in five years she'll be single. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't say that. I do wish the best for her, even though I she scares do. me. Uh, she, I hope she comes on the pod one day and scares me over well, Zoom. That would be a dream. But the way I reacted when I passed by her on the street, that's like right. my heart stopped. So I don't even know how I could handle doing an interview. Like I fully like my heart rate. I was checking my Fitbit for like 10 minutes after my heart was still racing. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to pretend your camera was down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and be like, I, I place a piece of tape over it for the feds. <laughs> like, uh, like one of our QAnon listeners. Oh Yes. <laughs> QAnon, (laughs) that listener. Yeah, uh, a listener wrote us that now they're just thinking of uh, the L word generation QAnon, and I would watch. (laughs) 100% would watch a show about a bunch of QAnon lesbians. (laughs) Which um, is a growing community we're seeing in our DMs. Um, Anyways... (laughs) What else? I saw Subaru was trending the other day in New York and I got so excited and I'm like, what's going on with Subaru? (laughs) And it was just trending because Monica Lewinsky tweeted that she was trying to decide between a Subaru and a Tesla. And I'm like, is this how you're coming out as bisexual? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've always kind of hoped for it because I think Monica Lewinsky is pretty cool. What crazy degrees of the spectrum. Well, I think she's leaning towards Subaru because I'm looking at the thread now and Elon Musk replied to it. Try a Tesla and you're welcome to give it back if you decide you prefer Subaru. She did not reply. Subaru replied to her thread and she replied back so it's looking like she's engaging more with Subaru and maybe more of a Kinsey you know not so right in the middle as a bisexual a little more oh. closer to the gay side <laughs> how old is she I'm excited <laughs> <laughs> I think you're in luck Carolyn I don't know she was only like 21 when she became a, a person of note yeah we'll say that yeah, I had to X out of the comments because then it was just like assholes being like with like the Wiener Mobile being like, I think this is more your speed. <laughs> oh my God. I hope they get run over with a Wiener Mobile. Truly. Uh, yeah. Wow. Imagine just tweeting when you're trying to decide about a car and then having the car companies respond to you. <laughs> I know. Which might be almost as cool as tweeting about a car and having your favorite podcast respond to you, which is what one of our listeners was hoping for. They were asking if the Kia Soul is a lesbian vehicle. Yeah, we're replying to that tweet in real time. (laughs) Yeah, my response is depends on how many dogs you plan on uh, riding around with. But I don't know. I considered the Kia Soul And I didn't go for it. So I'm going to say it's not a lesbian car. I don't know. I'm looking at it. It looks like a bipan car. (laughs) I mean, it's economical. It has a unique look, vibe going for it. You got to give gay points for the hatchback. Sure. 
It's a lesbian car if you want it to be. You know how to make it a, a lesbian car? Actually, Bumper if you're, stickers. If you're really worried, yeah, get a Diking Out sticker, uh, Etsy.com. Mm-hmm. You have a bunch of varieties. Just cover your bumper in them. Uh, that is the best way. So if if you have like a very straight car, let's say you are driving around in a Chevy Malibu, okay? Like nothing wrong with a Chevy Malibu, but that's a straight car. Please get some Diking Out stickers and and dike it up. That's all you have to do. Easy fix. Yeah, not everybody can find a Honda Fit. So yeah, I don't know. I guess this week was kind of gay, even though I was just like making tea and soup and stuff. What's the gayest thing you did, Melody? Um, I'm going to say the gayest thing I did this week was go to look at an apartment that current diking out listeners live in. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I mean, that's pretty gay. These listeners... Shout out to Evelyn and Christina. Who live in my neighborhood. Allie and I went to go look at their apartment because it's in a great neighborhood. We're trying to save money. We would save like $900 and it's like the same square footage. It's just like, you know, not right next to Prospect Park. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. These ladies, I know you're listening. I, <laughs> hello, such big dyke energy. I'm saying, I'm saying this was the gayest thing I did this week, and I did a lot of gay things this week, you know, and this trumps all of it because of the gay energy they exuded. These two Great. dykes really reminded me of the central Connecticut lesbians I grew up around. One of them is from Long Island and one's from New Jersey, and they had just finished working out when Allie and I got there, so they're in their, like, sporty get-ups, and they both have, like, kind of curly hair that was, like, slicked back into, like, this top curly bun. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that this is a quintessential tri-state lesbian look? Yes. (laughs) I mean, they come to, like, Stonewall, we see, I I would say, like, a fourth of the crowd has that look yes and I maybe I haven't seen it in a while but it really had an effect (laughs) and like gave me this weird sort of comfort like it felt like home like maybe I've been around too many like uh asymmetrical kind of gelled up cuts but there was something very classic about their lesbian energy that just made me so happy love it (laughs) yeah also they had a bird the bird bit alley it was very fun we might live in their unit and continue the dyke legacy of the unit they live in in sunnyside especially in sunnyside you know fill that quota of lesbian representation as you and cecilia move out which brings me to your gayest thing of the week i have an idea yes you do have an idea because i just came back from it i went to go sign a contract with a real estate lawyer for a a house that's just a little bit outside of the city, uh, an hour outside of it. So it'll be a little bit of a, of a commute, but we're doing it. We, we got out, we're going to be sad to leave our neighborhood. But the, the reason why it's gay is that we had a list of real estate lawyers that were recommended by our realtor and we picked the woman And we met her for the first time today. And she, uh, of course, upon seeing Cecilia and I, had to tell us that her daughter was gay and that she loves her girlfriend and she hopes they get married one day. Yeah. And I loved it. It's it was like such like meeting a P flag parent moment. And and then I took it a step further and was like, well, 
I bet she would love this podcast that I host <laughs> and made her. I was like scraping through my bag looking for for the business cards that we ordered right before the shutdown. Literally got them the day before everything shut down. I have a huge stack. Um, and because I don't go out, I don't carry them on me. So right. I, I don't I don't see anybody. And then this is like my first opportunity to give somebody a business card. And I'm like, ah. I don't have any, but that's fine. She wrote it down, and I'm positive she's going <laughs> to relay it to her daughter. That's going to be the, the biggest news she has for her <laughs> in weeks. Do your parents not do that? My dad does that. Like, he'll walk up to lesbian presenting individuals. <laughs> like, just be like, my daughter's gay. Like, out of nowhere, <laughs> he'll approach lesbians. I don't know, because I feel like my mom isn't that friendly of a person, but... <laughs> like with with strangers and stuff. She used to be when she was younger and then she uh like later in life became like a little bit like she worked in an airport at she worked at the Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson Airport and I think that broke her. I think being around that many people yeah. at that level of intensity like world's busiest airport day in and day out made her not want to talk to to strangers so I don't know I'll have to ask her if she ever does that but she hasn't done it uh in front of me my other thing was going to be that I listened to the interview of uh Cherry Jones on Fresh Air Cherry Jones who Cecilia and I both have a crush on older older woman I'm older woman yeah I saw her in the glass menagerie on uh Broadway and uh you know, famously uh, an ex of Sarah Paulson and tuned in for that and got to listen to her talk about, uh, you know, growing up being queer and in Tennessee and um, living through the AIDS crisis. And uh, and now having she went back to Tennessee with her wife, I think, to go live with her sister during the, the pandemic and talking about all that. So it was interesting, uh, even though it did force me to listen to my nemesis, Terry Gross. Yeah, sorry about that. Hey, yeah. if you need a new uh, palate cleanser, though, Cecilia will really appreciate this because I know she has a massive crush on Janelle Monet. Yes, and Janelle Monet just released a new song for Stacey Abrams for the new documentary All In. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she heard of that yet, or else she would have definitely mentioned it to me if she had heard that song. Uh, but speaking of making songs for politicians, past guests. Uh, Rita Brent posted her video for her off the hook Kamala Harris rap. So good. She's actually very good. Yeah. Rita doesn't rap usually. Uh, Mm -hmm. She does more R&B stuff. And she also really made sure that that she was looking extra fine and knowing that Kamala might see this. I know what you're doing, Rita. (laughs) I know that you're hitting on Kamala Harris. Definitely. You are trying to get her attention in more ways than one. (laughs) And good for you. Uh, Appreciate the recruitment effort, Rita Brent. (laughs) Go check out Rita's uh, Instagram and you can see the video. And I really, really hope, like, that would be the happiest thing to me if Kamala saw that. I know. I feel like it's close. Fill you with joy. Rita's songs do, or just videos in general, do go very viral and reach. Yeah. A lot of celebrities a lot lately, this past summer especially. Yeah. She just needs like Wanda Sykes or Leslie Jones who have like retweeted mm-hmm. her stuff in the past to to give her that bump. Well, 
I think we should get into our conversation with our guest for this week. What do you say, Melody? Let's talk with this Leslie. Yes, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> this week, we are diking out with comedy legend. Can't say it enough. She is a legend. Mm-hmm. Judy Gold. Uh, I could list all of her credits, but we don't have the time. So you can go to her website, judygold.com, if you want to know everything she's done. But she has been everywhere on the scene. I do have to mention that she won two Emmys for writing and producing The Rosie O'Donnell Show. Um Ooh. Dream, dream job right there. She has a podcast called Kill Me Now, which is a lot of fun. Uh, She gets great guests for that. And a book that came out this summer called Yes, I Can Say That. And we'll be talking about that and more. Uh, Let's get into it with Judy Gold. Hi, Carolyn. Hi, Melody. Fucking fruit fly. (laughs) Uh. Uh, So you are in Provincetown still? Yes. Where am I going to go? <laughs> Are you staying there longer than usual? Yeah. You know, I used to have to leave in the beginning of, you know, right after Labor Day because my kids would go back to school. But now they're older and this is the first time I can stay in September. Nice. And Love forever it. because there's no fucking, because we're in a fucking pandemic. My hair. Yeah. Right. But you're still doing comedy there. So I'm doing uh, two shows a week outside at the Crown and Anchor, but tonight's my last show for the summer season. Oh, man. And then I'm going to get depressed. Yeah. <laughs> you're, not, you're not there already? Yeah, I'm getting there. It's, I mean, I'm just, if he wins again, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just, yeah, I need to know because I need to know how I need a four-year plan right. or I don't, or I need to no, continue. No, it, it can't go on. It's, it's really bad. Yeah. yeah. The only good thing, God damn these fucking, fr- where do fruit flies come from? The only good thing is that you know that you have a support system that agrees with you. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like you're not alone and everyone is as pissed off and upset and angry as you are. Like, it's not like, uh, you know, like my mother used to always say, what are you getting your blood pressure up? No, everyone is thinking the same thing, you know? I know. I'm just worried that everybody on the left, like we're all going to die five years earlier because of this. Like everybody's. Oh, the stress. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The stress, the anxiety, it's going to kill us all while the rest of them are going to either die of just like natural causes at the age of 100 or COVID or in their boats drowning in a lake. Yeah. That's (laughs) so fucking annoying. It's nuts. My, I feel like it did kill my best friend's mom just passed. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, she's, um, diehard hippie Woodstock, like, Warren stickers on everything, but in her obituary that came out last week, the last line was in lieu of flowers, please fucking vote for no way. <laughs> Joe Biden. Yeah. In the oh upcoming my election. God. I love that. <laughs> oh man. How old was she? Yep. She was born in 52. That's <laughs> it. I know was she, so um, young. Yeah, she had cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry. Mm. Yeah, thanks. It it all happened so fast. And I really think the stress of it, she was like, I want to go. I don't even want to, I like, I don't want to see what happens. I'm, I'm too scared. Let me go. It's horrible. It's killing Horrible. Mm -hmm. Which is what they want too. Right. Right. They want, they're, they're like all, they love when we react. You know what I mean? 
because they're fucking toddlers. So they do whatever they can to like get your attention and they love it. Right. They love. Well, I feel like that's been very clear from the start. And yet we keep giving it to them. We keep reacting to everything like what was because it the other you week you can't fucking believe it you cannot yeah. fucking believe it <laughs> like when they call melania the uh the jacqueline kennedy oh, uh, of oh our times God. they're obviously trolling like right. nobody can really think that right. and then it's and then the left just seems like we're outraged over the dumbest thing right. because the, it was bait and then we took it. Right. And then I feel like we look like idiots and like hysterical, just how they want us to look every time. And well, yeah, like, they do it just to get a reaction. It's all distraction to, you know, his, he's incompetent. He's dumb. He's uncurious. Like, Everyone hates us. We're not even allowed to go into other countries. He's fu- yeah. he's killed so many right. people. I mean, and yet there are still people who are like, I don't want to pay more taxes. Well, f- yeah. Oh, okay. Enjoy your fucking money while everyone's dead. They're the environments, you know, like it's, it's beyond. I can't believe it. I cannot yeah. believe anyone. And the character issue, like, why is it not an issue with you people? Why, why is it, you know, if anyone else behaved the way he behaved, they'd be fucking fired from any job. Oh, I right. Uh. We are at a point now where the American flag, um, to borrow a word from your book, is a trigger for me. Like, I went to your Twitter just before we logged on just to catch up. And I, you have two American flags, um, (laughs) surrounding your name. And for a second, like a split second, I was like, oh, this must not be the right Twitter account. Like, because when I I just see that in someone's name. I did that in reaction to when they were saying, who did they say we weren't real American? It was, I have to take it down, but yeah, because now I have a joke in P-Town. Like when I see a truck with an American flag, I'm like, oh my God, where's, oh my God, I'm so nervous. Like, oh God. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's like being suspicious of all signs of patriotism. But it's like, but we've also come to know the true character of people. You know, like sure. the fact that you can overlook right. all of the horrible things he has said and done because of your stocks, your right. stockholding. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. And the lying, like the lying. He li- yeah. it's, and they don't care. We're throwing around the term post-truth now. That to me is <laughs> we living in a post-truth world. What is that? It's beyond. It's beyond. Well, so does being in P Town feel like it's a little bit of a, I don't know. um, Yes. So, like an escape from that. Like you're able to put yourself in this P Town bubble every summer. (laughs) Well, it is, but, you know, we've been dealing with it too. I mean, there's people walking around, they don't have masks on. Um, And they, they're like, fuck you. There was a Trump truck riding down Commercial Street a couple of nights ago. You know, they come here to just, mm-hmm. and, you know, the fact that, well, all the, the theme weeks have been canceled. So, and a lot of the beaches are closed down Cape. So a lot of these people who would never normally come here are coming here, but they have no reverence for the 
the place. They don't know the history um, of of Provincetown and why and how and it exists. Um, and it's sad. And you know, the these tr- I had Trump people at my show the first night who defaced my posters after the show. Like this has never happened. Like, don't come to Provincetown. Like, you have every other place in the world to go be a white supremacist. Like, don't come here. Don't come here. Like, you go, I don't know. The the whole racism thing also is beyond that anyone can support a racist no matter how much fucking money you have. I mean, he is such a white supremacist and an anti-Semite. He's just a fucking piece of crap (laughs) it's yeah it's interesting too when you have those trump supporters in in the audience because they're you know used to be the ones that thought everybody else was too sensitive but the most sensitive people to political humor now you can't I say... I mean, to the fact that they would deface your, your post. Yeah, right. Are they heckling? Or are they just silently sitting there and then defacing? Apparently, I found out because I saw the poster after I found out there were Trump supporters at my uh, show. But they had asked for their money back, and they said no. And then they defaced my posters. So, here, yeah, you talk about cancel culture. They are the number one cancel culture people. Look. The left is very sensitive. Don't say this. You can't joke about that. Yes. Okay. And it's really annoying, the politically correct stuff. But the fact that they can't get past your political leanings to just enjoy a show, it's a cult. I'm telling you, every other president has been fodder for material. It's like part of their job. And yet- And yet you- I, I make a joke, even if you make a joke about his hair, they freak out. He has right. no sense of humor. He doesn't laugh. He's, you know, you have to be self-aware, self-effacing, um, smart to have a sense of humor, to understand satire. And and comedy is a weapon. It's a weapon. And not everyone's good at it. So that's why people are like, oh, you really got me, you know. But it's also a coping mechanism. And the fact that he can't even handle a comedian at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, that he gets mad at SNL and says they should be investigated. I mean, what the fuck <laughs> is wrong with you? But, you know, there are people there are people that believe all this bullshit. And fuck Fox News. They're, they're so much uh, m- responsible for what's going on. Oh, for sure. He is a product of... Fox News and their fear mongering and their fixation on every issue to distract from uh, right. the real harm that they're trying to do. Right. I love in your book and just to uh, the oh, listeners sorry. remind them it's called. Oh, there uh, it is. <laughs> uh, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. I love when you talk about Trump and you pull the quote about um, name calling being something that toddlers. Oh yeah, and preschoolers do from the American Psychology Association or, or whatever, right? Um, and it's so crazy that yeah, not only do they not criticize that, but so many now of these like wannabe Trump politicians, because so many of these like up and coming Republicans, they want to be like, like that. 
Yeah, they want to be able to do whatever they want without impunity. Right. Like that to them is the dream. And only Trump has been able to figure it out somehow. I don't know why he's the only one. Because when other people do it, they just, it doesn't seem to work for them. It's the shit you teach in first grade in, kin- in preschool. This is shit you teach in preschool. Yeah. And like Pocahontas, I mean, so classless. He is, embodies everything that everyone hates about Americans. Right. The greed, the lying, the, the, the not smart. I mean, he's not, I mean, the, the fucking shit that comes out of his mouth. Yeah, it, it's, it feels like I'm in crazy town whenever I watch it. I can't watch it right. because the cognitive dissonance between like what reality should be and what's actually unfolding in front of me. I'm just like, right. I can't make sense of it. Yet there are, I mean, do you come across gay people who support him? Because they exist. I've heard this, yeah. I spoke to someone yesterday who told me she has a very wealthy friend who's a lesbian, has kids, and she basically said, I don't want to be taxed anymore. And that's it. I I don't want, I can't be taxed more than I'm already taxed. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, um, and I hope your kids enjoy, you know, not being able to go outside or, right. you know, and I hope none of your daughters need to have an abortion. I mean, the Supreme Court, like if there's one thing to vote, it's the Supreme Court. Yeah. Fucking unbelievable. You work so hard. Like you look at the LGBTQ, RST, umlaut, um, pi sign <laughs> community. And it's, look how far we have come. And it's all activism and and evolution and teaching people that we need to live with dignity and we deserve to live with dignity and the same rights as everyone else. And yet he just wants to tear all of that down. Yeah. It's disgusting. And he doesn't even actually care about it. Like, I don't... Oh, he has no Nothing. Yeah. He has no feeling. Yeah. He, he's not... Like, I don't think that he personally hates gay people. He will just throw anybody under under the bus. Yeah. He'll throw anybody under the bus if it will get him ahead. And, you know, the first people to get thrown under the bus are always the more marginalized communities. Right. Do you have uh, friends in comedy who, you know, support Trump that have really surprised you that you would have never expected that from them? Mm hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. I have. Well, there's some that I expected and then you know some that are they're all men you know he definitely you know this idea that he's uh what's the word they use uh about you know how he's undoing like they like the the disruption chaos yeah you know like the chaos and disruption but he does feed into that toxic masculinity thing of like, yeah, like if you get in a fight with a Trump supporter, um, you know, it's all a free country, do whatever we want. You know, like it's this, don't fucking tell me what to do. You know, it, it's, it's in the same pay grade as fucking calling people names. It's the same exact, you know, toddler behavior Um, and I really honestly, uh, and I try to get past the character thing. Like I, I try to say, all right, let's take away who he is. 
um, and just work on the policies. The policies are horrible too, but I can't get past the character thing. Yeah. He fucking represents the country. They laugh at him. He's, uh, and Trump supporters laugh at him too. I actually, I got to see a Trump supporter watch Donald Trump making an ass out of himself on TV, giving a speech, uh, flubbing his words, saying like giving low blow attacks. And he just had his arms crossed and was laughing and shaking his head and just kind of like, like embarrassed for him, but just laughing at all. still supporting yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even the things in his rallies that get a laugh line, I just he just says China virus. And now that's the new laugh line is him saying China virus. Well, and just, I'm like, yeah, what's funny just, about he, that? Yeah. Like what? Well, they're all racist. He's even in terms of racist jokes. Of, that's yeah. not even a racist joke. That's not. Right. But, but it's, it's, it's it's juvenile. But it's like the, he he gives them permission to say all this horrible stuff because he just says it and they're like, yeah, see, he said it. So I can say, it's just, it, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. So in your book, you talk a lot about kind of the history of, you know, kind of the role of the important role that comedians play in criticizing what's going on in the world and criticizing politics and social commentators. Yeah. And it's been so important, but it feels like with Trump, at least back when doing comedy in front of a live audience was a thing, most people didn't want to hear it. Like they'll tune into The Daily Show or Samantha B, but at least from the the shows that I was doing, people did not want to hear Trump jokes for for a long time, even though it seems right. like something I have you noticed that? You know, it's it's interesting, you know, we have news on 24/7 and people a lot of people did for many years get their news from the Daily Show cuz it's so palatable. Right. It's the most palatable way to watch the news. Um and then you have Colbert who's also very political, but it's interesting. I I do think certain audiences just don't want to deal with politics. And I get it, but a good comedian, first of all, going back to what you said in the beginning, comedians are truth tellers. We tell the truth, we speak truth to power, uh, which is why Trump is so intimidated by comics. Um, Okay, number one, we are social commentators. Uh, We change people's mind. We break stigmas. People, you know, you make someone laugh, they automatically like you. If you're doing jokes about, you know, when I came out and was doing jokes about being a gay, lesbian parent, you know, I changed people's minds about, you know, gay people having families because they were sitting there going, oh, that's the same shit we go through. Or, you know, uh, maybe they should get married, you know. But, and, and you think about, you know, after George Floyd was murdered, uh, there was a, the number top 10 download, I think, it was, it was one of the top 10 downloads on Spotify was a Richard Pryor bit from, uh, you know, 1974. I, so great comedians, you know, a, a joke is, is tension released. It's a buildup and a surprise. And great comedians do talk about 
what's on everyone's mind. And I know for my audiences, like just to get it out in the beginning, like, can you fucking believe this shit? Cause they're gay or they're gay friendly or they're Jewish or they're whatever they are. They know my act, you know, you get to a certain point where they know you and they come to see you. It's much better. Um, but you know, I feel like I have to get it out in the beginning. Like, Oh my God, can you fucking believe what's going on? And it's sort of a release for everyone, but you're right. Some audiences are like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want, and it's like, okay, then you don't have to hear it, but that doesn't mean that I should be shut down or if you don't like a joke someone does that they should never be able to do stand up again or um you know it's like people people shut cancel comic comics for you know doing their job you know not every joke is great you're not going to get every joke you don't like sarcasm well you're not going to like me um but that doesn't mean you know when you take i write a lot about this in the book when you take intent context and nuance out of comedy there's no comedy so you know what is the what is the comedian's intent you know you're telling a joke what are you trying to say with the joke that is so important and that you see here a word in the joke or it's a topic you don't like then you won't even listen to the whole thing you can you could agree with the point the comedian's trying to make but you're no i can't i heard a word you know it's ridiculous and when if you if someone murders someone and you're on trial for homicide, your your sentence is determined by intent. What were you thinking? What you know? Did were you planning it before? Were you, you know, and yet you don't give the same consideration to a comedian. It's fucking ridiculous. And satire and humor are so much a part of this country, you know. And when you start silencing comedians that's like really the last bastion of free speech i mean because we're just trying to make you laugh and you're gonna ban laughter if you're gonna banish people banish wisely it's it's horrible i think uh so your book you give a lot of great uh historical context around censorship and people getting censored over time from you know lenny bruce and stuff and What's interesting, though, is that I don't know. I kind of think that it's it doesn't necessarily feel this way, but I think it's better for comedians now because back then they literally were getting arrested. Oh, arrested. I think now it feels like there's a lot more anxiety around. Nobody wants to find their name trending on Twitter. Right. Because social media, it's pylons, it's shaming, it gets amplified. Um, But at the same time, I feel like your audience and your fans for people who who are more well known, they'll stick with you. Right. Like Joe Rogan's fans, they don't care what he says. He can say whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. It's like Trump. Yeah. So and and he and he gets to to have that. Whereas like, you know, when But that's his brand. Yeah. Sure. I, I guess like when um when Ellen's show got canceled in in the 90s, it wasn't like she could just start a podcast. Or, you know, right, have all of her right. fans follow her. Right. You had there more gatekeepers. 
there's but there's also I mean there's two there's two sides to that. Now the people who are liars and freaks and conspiracy theorists now instead of their family going, "Oh my god, shut up and go back to the basement." <laughs> Uh, they can go online and find, you know, a thousand people who fucking agree with them. Right. So, right. and it empowers them. But you're right. It, it was really bad. People were getting arrested, which makes it even more vile that people are trying to shut people down for using words or for uh, talking about, um, you know, tragedies or uh, instances that are, you know, like, I don't want to talk. When you stop talking about things, when there is no discourse, no one, there's no evolution, there's no growth. And when you start bringing shit up that someone said 15 years ago, after they've, A, apologized, and they're a different person, what's the point of doing all your activism and trying to change people's minds when you're going to never let them forget who they used to be. I mean, like right. go back 15 years and the shit that you said, I mean, right. It's like being in a relationship with someone who's, you know, like just never lets things go. And you're like, Oh my God, we went to therapy about that. We resolved it. Why are you bringing this up again? Like when, when we do that in our community, you know, listen, I know you're a friend of ours now, but you know, 10, 15 years ago, you said this. Yeah, and I apologized, and I'm not that person now, and that's what our goal is. Right, and I guess bringing it back to to politics, a lot of um, the gay Trump supporters that that I see now are circulating uh. these videos of of Biden arguing, uh, you know, against. Uh, same-sex marriage, and it's like, well, obviously he's different now. But it was a different time. Like he, it was a different time. He was the first one. He talked. He came uh, uh, out against. He came out for gay um, marriage before Obama did. For gay marriage before Obama yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, come on. You look at your parents. Cut the shit. <laughs> No, I I agree. I I think that it feels to like the people right now who face the most repercussions are more progressive leaning women. At least from what I've seen, like like it. Uh, women forget yeah. it. Yeah, it's so easy to take us down. But but if you try to think uh, who has suffered like real real consequences that like really really affected Kathy their Griffin. life, it's Kathy Griffin for for Kathy a Griffin. joke that did not go over well. Right. Bad joke. And I wonder if she did that today, would it have the same response knowing how many people he killed? Right. And what he said about, you know, our veterans and our and our military um, personnel. Also, she can't answer her phone. Right. To this day, you know, over a fucking joke, loses her agent, her manager, you know, everything. Persona non grata over a joke. And and that's what he focuses on. You know, he talks about cancel culture. Hello, yeah. Kathy Griffin. You know, it's so funny because I keep thinking about this when you're talking is so my book came out and I and people really do love it. I mean, I, I'm just I'm not I, I hate talking about myself, but, you know, it took a long time to write. And I love that. You know, it is an argument about free speech, but I have all this. The great part of it is you laugh while you're learning all this shit yes. in history because I have so people are so funny. There's so much material to back up my point, right, you right. know, like I can. Right. And so 
one of the first review, and I got so many five-star reviews on Amazon, and the only bad reviews are from Trump supporters. Now, the first bad review, and it's the one that it says, it's the number one fucking review on there because people keep they go and boost writing it. like helpful. Yeah. It's helpful. You gotta, you better go on and fucking review my book yes. and give me five stars and then put helpful on another one. Anyway. It's very good. I'm on chapter 10 and I love it so much. <laughs> I Yeah. Thank n- you. N- not only are the quotes you pull from other comedians funny, but some of your lines in there had me cackling. The, the Roseanne Barr joke just about killed me. So anyway, <laughs> continue. Um, well, so one of the first reviewers gives me one star. And she writes, I was disappointed. She went after Trump and Trump supporters. Now, I equally go after the progressive mm-hmm. left. I'm telling you know, uh, but uh, she had to go after the Trump supporters. And then she writes something like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, this is not verbatim. And so, and then she says something like, I did like the, com- the history and I liked the way she handled the Bill Cosby um situation but I, I was disappointed and she gives me one star now this is the ultimate example of cancel culture you did like the book you did like the history because that's a huge part of the book you did like the way i but you give me one star right because i don't like trump that is cancel culture that is saying you know what don't buy this book because she doesn't like trump and he, It's, it's, we're artists. You know, I talk about Coco Chanel in the book. Yes. He was embedded with the Nazis. I go to synagogue on Rosh Hashanah. Everyone's in a a Chanel suit, Chanel shoes, (laughs) Chanel scarf, Chanel purse, Chanel makeup, you know, whatever. And yet a comedian um, writing a book about free speech, you're going to shut that person down because they don't have the same, you know, politics as you do. It's, it is, this is, that is cancel culture. And, you know, look, people say, oh, the comedian went over the edge. We don't, we, great jokes live on the edge of what is, is um, appropriate to certain people. And, and oftentimes we don't know where the edge is until we've gone over it. We do our work in front of an audience. So don't vilify us for fucking doing our job. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., 
Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. I, I guess I don't see too many instances though of people who get mad at like legit funny jokes that that are edgy and I think where where people get mad is like a a Shane Gillis situation who was hired by SNL and then they you know unearthed his podcast where he's not really being funny he's just making bad um offensive impressions of, of Asian people with, with no real punchline other than like. Right. If you're going to, um, if you're going to talk about uh, anything subversive, anything controversial, um, people's ethnicities, racism, homophobia, anti-Semitism, anti, you know, xenophobia, anti-Muslim, like anything. It's got to be right. funny. You can right. talk about anything, but make it funny. Yeah. And this idea of people gratuitously saying stuff and then, you know, yes, I believe you can say whatever. I do believe you can say whatever you want, but then you have to suffer the consequences if it's not funny, if it's not well thought out. And it's, it's hard because, you know, I wrote an opinion piece about that in C- for CNN. And, I remember and a that. a lot of people... Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people came after me and I hate talking about it. And Shane hates that I talk about it too, which I, I I don't, you know, I think, you know, he can get on stage and do his stuff and get laughs and he'll have a, he has a great career already. He's better off for it, honestly, but (laughs) yeah. But I feel like I wrote this opinion piece and people are so mad at me. It was just my opinion. It was, I didn't fire him. Um, but it was also a very reasonable, and, <laughs> it was like right, the most I, reasonable take on, on the whole thing. It wasn't like extreme right, it, in any way. <laughs> right. I was just saying, cause I, and, and I was also in the middle of writing this book when that happened and, and writing about Lenny Bruce and George Carlin and Richard Pryor and, and all these people who did push bound. Cause he basically, he said I was pushing boundaries and I was thinking, 
No, they pushed right. the boundary. They right. got us to the point where you can say whatever you want. And I was sort of, it was sort of a love letter to stand up, you yeah. know, and, and comedy. And that, yeah, you can say it was political correctness, but it was kind of like, we got to do our jobs better, you know? Right. And, and if you work for a corporation, you're sort of selling your soul. You got to, you know, now you, d- we didn't know when I was growing up, you didn't know if your favorite movie star was a fucking gun-toting Republican. You were just like, oh, he's so handsome and he's such a good actor. You know, we didn't know that. And now it's like, ew, I hate you. I'm not watching any of your movies anymore, which is fine. But, you know, if you're going to use words that are so loaded, you know, you got to use it wisely and you got to make it really funny. And I, you know, I listened to the whole thing twice and I didn't know where the joke was. And I, I always know where the the podcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's just rambling on a podcast. It's not like this was a special, you know, like where. Right. Right. But that's the other thing you talk about. Thank God we have podcasts, but you know, then it's there forever. Oh, don't we know? know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's a good He's a good guy. Like when you talk to him, he does charitable, charitable work. He's, you know, but that was just, I know there's so many people who are fucking mad at me, but I really do. I'm thank you for saying it was reasonable because I really didn't think there was, I was never saying he should never be able to do stand up again. No. I was just saying, you know, you work for a corporation. This is what's going to fucking happen. Yeah. yeah. And then I think of instances, because I, I agree with you, I think going back and digging up through people's past and taking things uh, out of context, and, and a recent example, um, a couple months ago, though I don't know what time is anymore uh, right now, I think it was a couple months ago, Megan Amram, did you see this blow up on, on Twitter? Uh, yeah, what well, she did, a, uh, she, oh, she, she's so fucking funny. She's so... So funny behind a, a writer on so many funny TV shows. Her web series is one of my favorite web series, uh, an, an Emmy for Megan, just a, a brilliant comic. And but some tweets were on comedy writer. Yeah, two, because two now tweets. we're just going to successful people's Twitters and you can just search within their profile right. the word Asian or the word, yeah. you know. Right. And, and that's and that's what happened. And to go through everybody's joke and then uh and she immediately apologized for it. And and you know that the intent behind it was was nothing malicious. It was it was a joke that had uh, I think too many extra layers to it that it just didn't hit. Right. It wasn't an obvious joke and uh you know, I can see how people would think that that joke was in poor taste. But then for people to uh, attack her when it's like she's a, a progressive comedian who d- who does a lot of good and she's a great things and she's funny. It's yeah. like fucking Al Franken. You're going to he is a great he was a great senator. So you're going to bring up shit he did when he was a comic. I mean, but not funnel that energy towards the actual evil people is what I guess. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine him in these hearings? He would have, you know, yeah. like he would have been fucking awesome right. in these hearings. Right. Yeah. But it's it's just yeah. Is she back on Twitter or no? I haven't looked, but I would like to think that 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 blew over pretty quick. But one of the things that came out of it was one uh 
comedian, a New York based comedian, Brian Yang, really attacked her and said, like, Megan has always been nice to me, but this is unacceptable and just really tore her a new one. And then people went through his Twitter and found 10 tweets that were far more offensive and not funny at all uh, uh, that he made about black people. And then he he took down his he had to take down his Twitter because then the pylon came for him and then he posted on Instagram saying cancel cancel culture um I, you know I took Lee and bringing other people down and now that it's happened to me I realize um, how horrible and stupid and stressful and how how awful it really makes people feel for things that you know weren't it didn't intend yeah the intent that was not, was the not intent, there yeah you know? yeah. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous, you know? Um, And I I just, the comics going after one another thing, it's not good. And, you know, we should support each other and great comedy. And I feel lucky that I came up in the 80s and the 90s where I could go to a club and the only person who saw me tell a shitty joke were the, you know, five people at 2 a.m. Right. You know? (laughs) Um, And if you're going to put something in writing on social media, make sure it's fucking funny. Yeah. And that, you know, think about, all right, we're all lessies. I... My girlfriend and I get in text fights all the time. And whenever you get in a text fight, it's like, you're so confused sometimes. Wait, is that, she's serious? Is that, you know, you have to be clear. Like, no, I didn't mean that. I meant that. And if you do that to all your followers, (laughs) um, it's going to be like, oh, fuck. You know, I have now, you know, I'm doing the shows, thank God. Um, but I literally get on stage now and I start with, if you're a Trump supporter, you're going to hate my act. So leave. (laughs) And if you're easily offended, you're going to hate my act. So fucking leave or too bad, you know? And now after every joke that I get in, Ooh, (gasps) Ooh, cause they're, they're, it's like constant now. I say you can um, you can write me at judygold.com and tell me that I am a transphobic person, that I'm a self-hating Jew, that I'm fat shamer, that I'm whatever. I just make, you know, because there's two things. There's a chapter in the book. There's a reason it's called mm-hmm. an act, you know? Right. And you have to separate the person from the act. And people can't do that. So when you find out something horrible about someone, you're like, I don't think they're funny anymore because I see their jokes in a different way. And, you know, the, the ultimate example of that is Bill Cosby, where people were like, I can't believe he did. I can't believe, you know, these men were like, oh, why the women wait? Why the women wait? the fucking biggest star in the, you know, like, who's going to believe her? Right. And, and then the problem was they couldn't separate. I, you know, I had to tell the guy once, Dr. Huxtable didn't rape the women. Bill Cosby did, you know? And so, you know, you have, there's a reason it is called an act. You know, Andrew Dice Clay does not walk around going, hey, you know, he doesn't do that. It's an act. Right. Let's talk a little bit more about doing comedy for queer audiences and especially uh, 
as you say, lezzy audiences. I do love your frequent use of the word lezzy, keeping that going. I love lezzy. That's when my, my, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s and we were like, oh, she's a lezzy. <laughs> the gym teacher was a lezzy. I love it. You know, there's certain words, because I talk about words and stereotypes and where they came from. Well, we're from, called diking like, out. So that, that also yeah, makes go it. there. It's like, <laughs> who, it's like, who cares? What is it? Yeah. You, that's your thing. Yeah. But, you know? But I think we, we've all had the experiences where queer audiences seem to be, um, and, and I guess it depends on the audience, but lesby audiences, or if you're at a show and there's like a pocket of lesbians, it's always like, oh no, they're always like sitting there with their arms crossed and uh, a look of uh, a lot of judgment on their face and they'll sit in the, the front row because they're punctual. You yeah, know? they're always and, in the front row. <laughs> and It's just worth yeah. And they don't like to have fun when they're together, but we, you know, in the good times, we used to do a monthly show at Stonewall and the room is mostly uh, queer women and it is a very good audience and they'll they'll laugh and you I know, was it's so, I right. was wondering why that is and some people were saying, Well, maybe it's because they feel safe because they know it's being produced by queer people and that you're not gonna have assholes on stage so they can let their guard down. Whereas in like any other comedy situation, a lot of queer people might have their guard up because they feel like, you know, the next comic could be a straight guy who's using the word right. fag. I think you're right. And I think that, you know, I was just talking about this with Beth Lapidus, um, who runs Uncabaret. And and one of the reasons, she was on my podcast, and the reason she started doing these shows at these non-comedy clubs is because um, years ago, she did a show at some hole-in-the-wall place, and these women came up to her and were like, oh my God, you were so funny. You know, we love you. And, and, and they, you know, we never go to comedy clubs. So it was so great to be able to see a comic. And she was like, well, why don't you go? Cause I, and she was like, cause I don't want to hear about, I don't want your homophobia. I don't want to hear this, you know, and you're right. You know, we're dykes. Okay. So we deal with whatever else thing, like I'm a Jew. Are you a Jew, Carolyn? No. No, I used to be what? married to one. I know. <laughs> wow, and Melody's I'm Iranian, not, right? so <laughs> sorry. Oh, you probably have a lot of Jew in you. Um, there's a lot of yeah. Iranian Jews, but uh, Iranian. <laughs> sorry, but look at that country. Remember, I remember when I was a kid. That country was like a metropolitan. That's what I kept cool. thinking of during this conversation. Like, yeah. yeah, it's good we're not getting arrested, but that could change. That right. could really right. change. Right. I know. So. Um, you know, we're women, number one. So we're used to the misogyny. And if you look at, I do a chapter, there's a chapter about Joan Rivers and, and women comics. And just the fact that we still, we still have to get on stage in straight clubs and disarm the audience. Right. Like, yes, I know, you know, like Jean Carroll, who's probably the first real traditional stand-up comedian, uh, female would get on stage and you look at all, you know, hi, I know, I know I'm fat. I know I'm this, I know I'm that. I should be home with my kid. And then they would do their act, you know? Um, there still shows that if they're all women, they're called hysterical. Oh my God. Ha ha hotties. Ladies, you know, it's a, spe- <laughs> right. It's a special event. It's three guys. It's a show. Right. 
So we have that. So we already have that. So when you enter a straight comedy club, you know there's going to be misogyny. And then you're a lesbian. So, you know, it's an added, um, it, it's this added thing that you're not going to get. Um, it's an added negativity, I guess, that the word lesbian would be used by straight comic, like, whoa, you will fuck me? What are you, a lesbian? Like, it's a, right. you know, we're dealing, and you think about these women who make less money than men, so their dual income is less, you know, um, you know, I'm in Provincetown, there's not many women here, it's all gay guys and yeah. straight people, because who's affected by the fucking pandemic? Who takes care of the kids? You know, we, we have a lot of shit against, and imagine being a woman of color, you know, that, but, um, but just imagine it, Melody. It's like, no, but it's just like, I can't, I, I, as much as I try to understand what it feels like to be a person of color walking into a store, like I think about it. Um, I think about as a mother that, you know, when my sons go get in the car and drive away, I'm not worried. Like my friend's mothers are like, are they ever going to come back? Is the taillight out? What's good? You know, but you know, you see these women and a lot, yes, I think. And, and as much as I disdain safe spaces, I think they're more relaxed that, okay. You know, cause I remember you know, I do jokes here about, p-town and that you know we wanted equality and now we have straight people walking around so, <laughs> so much more fun when we were marginalized and it was this little like i can go here and be who i am for a week you know right and then go back to the shit show of my life you know um but i think especially women who are older than me i'm 57 but i think women who couldn't come at it. Like today I was playing tennis with, you know, an older woman. She's like in my previous life when I wasn't gay, but she was gay. You know, she was talking about how she went on vacation. She noticed all these beautiful women. She goes, Oh, maybe I was gay. You know, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a consideration. You took those feelings. You're like, no, I'm never going to, I can't, I can't act on that. I'm going to have no life. You know, you think about these women and what they had to hide. Um, and the shit we put up with. I mean, you're a comic. I, like, you hear people say these, It's there's no boundaries. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like sometimes lesbian audiences can be really tough. Are, yeah. Because they're so politically correct. Um, you know, Women's Week here. You know, there's there's shows at three in the afternoon, five in the afternoon. I'm like, are you fucking <laughs> You know, and then the gay man, it's like, whoa, hilarious. You know, it's just it's really interesting because I think you're right. The Stonewall thing, they're probably like, oh good, I feel like I can, you know, laugh and I have to put on a, a guard up. But then again, you know, I'm here on Women's Week and I'm, you know, I say something like, ooh, uh, but then there's there's the other people like us who don't take ourselves right. seriously. I think a lot of lesbian audiences are 
stiff, no matter for, in my opinion, if they're in a safe space or not. Um, and I did a show that was for exclusively lesbians and, um, I felt like I was bombing. I know (laughs) I, I got laughs, but like it felt really rough, but then I kept getting groups of lesbians coming up to me from the audience after the show and saying, that was really great. You're so funny. And finally I was just like, well, then why weren't you laughing? Like I finally asked one and, um, this girl, I was like, well, I noticed you had your arms crossed the whole time. Do you mind telling me? Cause if you took the time to, you know, compliment me, I want to, I want to talk. Um, cause she really looked like she hated me and <laughs> she said something. She's like, yeah, you know, lesbians, like it's cause we've heard it all. <laughs> and that's all she had. I was like, just right. <laughs> it's like, you know, there, I think a lot of these women are so used to having their guard. Yeah. Up yeah. That it, to, to take it down, even in a comedy club. Um, and look, if you go to a, I write this in the book, if you go to a comedy club and get upset that you got offended, that's like going to an amusement park, getting on a roller coaster right. and being upset that you got, yeah. it's just, it's a choice. Yeah. You're allowed to be offended, but then what do you do with that? Do you go, okay, that offended me, move on with my life. Right. Or do you go, oh my God, that offended me, that person, that, you know, no, it's not, no, none of the comedians who are on stage we're thinking about you when they wrote that joke. Right. You know, that's <laughs> uh, but it's so true. It's like, I want to, I scream at them. Um, I always have a theory I, that they're nervous that their ex-girlfriend is going to walk in at any moment. Like anytime there, uh, there's they're prob- like yeah, 10 they're or more lesbians. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a good just, probability that you're going to run into an exit yeah. anywhere where you gather. Uh, what- and I think it's, I mean, for some people, it's scary to let go and just, right. you know, yeah. um, give it up. Because you are, you know, think about it. You're making people have an involuntary reaction. You're, like, in control. Right. So, I don't know. I It's so annoying when they're horrible. I know. So, isn't it? Because you just want to be, like, lighten the fuck up. We're I'm on your to, side. To be on the just let's side. make yeah. fun of ourselves. Yeah, and yeah. lesbians are funny. Like, we're funny Oh we're my God, people. there's so many funny lesbians. It's like the thesis yeah. of this podcast. It's like, we're just out to prove <laughs> that yeah, we could laugh. But it's also like, right, and we ha- we see the world through a different, that's what comedians do. They let you see the world through their eyes. And lesbians, it's like, we navigate the world differently. Like, we don't look at a guy and are like, oh, let me fuck him. And I'll, you know, like, we're not, we don't objectify men. Uh, they objectify women, of course, most 90% of men. we got to lighten the fuck up. Yeah. What was it like coming up in comedy in the 80s and 90s with um, with other comedians who were closeted? Like, did you have discussions with closeted comedians while you were out on stage? Well, I came out in the mid-90s as a gay parent. Okay. Um, I was... I always wanted to be just a comedian uh, who happened to be gay. Right. Um, And I was working the straight clubs and there were comedians who were doing the gay clubs. There were out gay um, comics. There was Robin Tyler, by the way, is the first, I think, out lesbian comic. She came out in the seventies and did uh, stand up. But then, you know, there was my my friend Bob Smith, uh, first gay uh, 
male on The Tonight Show. Suzanne Westenhofer and he were the first to have HBO specials. Leah was out, uh, Frank Maya, Reno. There were um, a bunch who were out and they were working, you know, the Funny Gay Males, which was a group, they were working in the gay clubs. But I was really a straight... um, you know, straight club comic. And I didn't have any material about, first of all, you can't talk about something that you're, you know, there's no, you're not a hundred percent comfortable with, you know, the material. And also I was in a relationship and it wasn't funny. It wasn't like, you know, it was a big, boring lesbian relationship with cats. And then (laughs) I had kids and I was like, oh my God, everyone, every comic talks about their family. I have to talk about, you know, and there was, and, you know, so I came out as a gay parent and yes, everyone knew who was gay and who wasn't gay. Um, but really at that time, I mean, look what happened to Ellen after her show was canceled. Right. Uh, you, you know, you just, it was a career ender. It was, a, you know, you could work the gay clubs for the rest of your life. Um, it was a completely different time, but there were plenty of gay people who were just, we all knew, um, Mario, Cantone, you know, uh, Rosie. Rosie, I, I mean, were you working on Rosie's show when Ellen came on before the puppy episode yes. aired? When they had the yes. Lebanese conversation? Yes, <laughs> we were just talking yes, about yes, okay. yes, yes. <laughs> This is like one of my favorite moments in television history was that conversation. Um, right. But obviously when I first saw it, it went over my head. I didn't understand what they were talking about. Really? But I, I mean, I was f- 15, no, four, no, I would have been 12, I think, when that happened. Okay. So, so it, went, it, it, went, it went over my head. But, <laughs> but, but then watching it now, it's like so obvious. And then, but then hearing the right. audience was, laughter, did the, did the audience, were they in on it? Cause you know, it was no. They got and letters it, from Lebanese it, people saying, "I had right. no idea you were Lebanese." Right. Yeah. That is how. Like, I just, you know, they're doing an article on the uh, 25th anniversary of the show, and I just got interviewed yesterday, and we were talking about that and the fact that that show was such a phenomenon because it was a nighttime fucking variety show on at 10 a.m. live, mm-hmm. and. Um, it was, and, and, you know, who watched that, like the suburban housewives, if they only knew that this was a bunch of gay people putting on a show, right? you know, um, even though all the clues were there, it was like Broadway, (laughs) worshiping Barbara Streisand, (laughs) right? And the fact that that they could sit in the audience and be, it was just, you just goes to show you how there was no visibility really right. for gay people at the time. But that, those kinds of moments that you can see now and go, oh, they were a wink to yeah. listen. We're doing the best we can for the people who know what we're fucking talking about. This is for you. Right. You know, it was a wink to, you know, to our, um, community and that we're, we're getting there. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. Um, and so those kinds of things were just lovely, I think. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and you look now, you know, look, I came out 
there were people who came out before me, but you know, when I came out, I was talking about this with Suzanne, you know, all these like the GMHC and the women's uh uh whatchamacallit, they have the women's um gala at from the center, you know, the uh it's a big dance and you know, all these things that I used to host because there weren't many out people, you know, and then all of a sudden people are like, oh you know, I have my millions, I'm going to come out. And those are now the people. So in, in a way, it's sort of resenty. You know, I have a little resenty, like, sure. oh, okay, I don't get invited to the women's thing anymore. I mean, I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm so happy how far we've come, but it's, you know, when people come out now, it's like, oh, come on. Like, people who don't come out, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Like, seriously, if you don't know who you can help, you, you know, a kid, there's still people who think like those Le- people who think that they were really talking about Lebanese people. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> there are people who still are living in a, under a fucking rock, you know? And if a kid can say, oh, my God, my favorite blank, my favorite, you know, singer, my favorite actor, whatever is gay. And, you know, and for me, I'm a lesbian, and I have kids. You can have a family like those things right. really, I think helped people see, Oh, I, on my, I don't have to end my life because I can have a life. I can have a job. I can have kids. I can have a partner. I can have a house, you know? Um, but you know, those little, mo- I, you know, I was just telling someone yesterday when Clinton, even though he did the defense of marriage act, when he had his acceptance speech, I think it was for the Democratic nomination, when he, or it was his inaugural speech, he said, you know, black, white, um, woman, man, and he said gay, straight. And it was the first time a president included us in that. And it was such a moment. I mean, all he did was say gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were like, oh, my God. Oh my God. You know, well, coming out of the eighties too. Right. Yeah. It was, which I love how much you talk about that in, in your book, because going into it, I was wondering if, if you're going to touch on like living through the AIDS pandemic and the role of, of comedy in that and, and right. how comedy can be so healing in, in times of tragedy. Um, right. It is, you know, there's so many times that a joke just, I mean, how many people do you know? Can you call me and make me laugh? I'm really depressed today. Can you, um, can you send me something for my mother? She's really, she's not well, she's sick. She's, you know, how many times people come up to you, you know, after a show and say, Oh my God, my husband died. And this is the first time I've laughed since, you know, that is the power of comedy and, and that it, you know, it's, Laughter is so fucking important. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't think we want to make people feel afraid to make people laugh. I mean, And also, yeah. why, what is this idea that if you laugh at something, you should then, oh, I shouldn't be laughing. But you did laugh at it. So what? It's over. It doesn't make the situation worse. You know? Yeah. 
You did mention um, in your book that uh, the importance of home clubs and how you really work out material. That's where you can really like test the boundaries and stuff. Uh, How does that look now that, you know, our home clubs aren't open right now? How are you? Are you even testing or you're just going out now and (laughs) giving the warning? I have been, you know. (laughs) No, yeah, I do, and I do it, yeah, I've been doing longer sets, which is great, but then I'm worried about, uh-oh, next week when I have no show to do, I'm going to, you know. But, yeah, it's so important to work out your stuff and get on stage and figure it out, and, you know, the you can't be a great comic without doing it all the time. It's like being an athlete, right. you know? You have to stay in shape. Um, and a lot, for me, my writing process is, you know, I talk into this a lot. Nice. I write in my notebook a lot. But then before my shows, I listen to everything and I go up there. A lot of times I write the joke. I have it sort of a rough draft of the joke, but I bring it up there and, you know, it comes out mm-hmm. and I figured it out. Where does it go? You know, and I take notes after my, you know, it's a work. It's, a, you know, people are like, hey, you work for an hour a night. No, you're working all day. Yeah. All fucking day. <laughs> Comics work In the 24 shower. hours a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it is hard right now, especially when, I mean, the only shows I've been doing have been uh, Zoom shows. I'm like, well, I don't want to work material out over Zoom shows. One, people can record them. Uh, (laughs) And that's terrifying. And yeah, it's just you're you're not getting enough opportunities to to work out the rough edges of things. Because the the stuff that I do at at mics or at or it shows that I know are like a good space to work out uh, new material. Like I'd be, I'd be canceled <laughs> if, if more people were exposed to Right. That. And that, you know, that the rhythm, there's such a musical quality to stand up. Oh, you yeah. know, you get in a rhythm, you know, when to begin the next joke, you know, whether to do a tag, you know, whether, you know, when to pause, how, you know, how to use the mic correctly. There's just so many things and you don't get that with Zoom. You don't, there's none of that. And I mean, I'm doing shows outside and it's difficult because of the way the sound travels. It's right. And it's also like windy. I'm right on the bay. Look at these fat arms. I'm right on the bay. Uh, My papers are flying all over the place. There's a big pool and right there, so like the sound goes with the back, and then yeah, it's just yeah. weird, you know, because the way come it's such an intimate art mm-hmm. form. I know? went to a wedding on the Cape once, and nobody heard anything. I, we didn't even hear yeah. if they said I do or not, and I think I was like 15 <laughs> feet away. So that breeze is are they? Joke. Yeah, are they still married? Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, I think I think we've taken up a lot of your time. I but... had fun with my dikey dikes. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thanks for diking out with no, us. No. All right. Listen, you dikes need to do this. You need to go on Amazon and give me like a really good review. Yes. yes. And and do another one that's helpful so the other one's not number one. Okay. And tell everyone to read my fucking book. Yes. Yeah. I um also can I make a case for the audiobook because <laughs> Oh, please. <laughs> so People good. love the audio yeah. book. Thank you. You know what's so funny is um, that, that it, was, it was in the New York Times book review for new, the audio Oh, really? Book. I was like, oh, my God. People love it. I was so nervous, like, oh, does that, and, and, you know, you have a director there while oh. you're doing it. But, I mean, we were all on the phone, so I didn't even see them. But 
It's yeah, good. It's, it's my first so audiobook, to be honest. I'm normally like, I, I have wow. to read it. I have to read it. I feel like I can't absorb it as much. Peep, I think it's good audio because, I mean, I don't do the comics, but I try to get their essence. Yeah, you in do. The, in Just like a joke. slight um, change yeah. in your tone. I mean, it's spot on with yeah. your accents for the different comics you quote. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so get the yeah, audio. And report that it. negative review as abuse. <laughs> I believe yeah. you can do that. <laughs> yeah, I try. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, it it is a great book. I I again love the history and I love the amount of queer stuff, of course. Obviously I'm biased, but I love learning right. more about the the history of that because I think queer queer history is so underrepresented in oh, you're not in all facets, especially comedy. So the fact that there were names in there that I'm like, oh my God, I I didn't know of this name and as right. a gay comedian I really should. So um so thank you for yeah. putting in the work for all that because that thank it you. definitely shows you put in a lot of uh work into bringing facts and also making it funny. Yes. And thank yeah. you. Uh, we hope that the normal times resume it. soon so that we can see you yes. doing comedy live. Where can people Same. follow you on social media? So I'm at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y. Oh. <laughs> Shalom. Because I'm a <laughs> And they can also listen to your podcast, Kill Me Now. Kill Me Now, yes. Wherever you can go to judygold.com. There's links for to buy the book, you know, at multiple places. Um, and I don't know. That's it. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Yeah. Thanks for diking <laughs> out. It's been thank fun. You. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dikeys. <laughs> I love diking out with you. Good luck with everything. That was a fun conversation. We have a lot of additional thoughts about this topic that Melody and I are just going to discuss and throw that conversation over on Patreon. So if you want to hear more about what what we think and our perspective, we're having that conversation over on Patreon. So patreon.com slash diking out. For as little as $5 a month, you get access to uh, our extra content uh, and for additional monies. Some of you have been asking a uh, who aren't on Patreon have been asking to join our Patreon patron only Facebook group. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't try to be sneaky. I can see who's a patron. You have to be a patron at the $10 a month level or above to join that exclusive group where Melody uh, shares my secrets (laughs) that I tell her in confidence and then makes me look like a loser. Yeah. Go join Patreon and thus our Facebook group where I'm getting more and more comfortable roasting care. Carolyn. <laughs> and I'm taking it just fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to be discussing our thoughts on this conversation with Judy Gold. And we also want to hear your opinions as well. This is kind of going to be a recording with an open forum in the comments, right? Yes. Join in and let us know what you thought. One fun story about Judy Gold that I didn't bring up because it wasn't like a direct association, but we had tickets to an event once that we got and we we gave the tickets away at a Stonewall show and we we made uh, people from the audience come and sing as much of the L word 
theme song as they could, <laughs> and it was a disaster. <laughs> like n- nobody, nobody ever wants to come on stage at Stonewall. I, I have to like beg people to come up for these giveaways, and then the person who was like brave enough to come up like knew knew nothing, and then um, the person who ended up winning, and this was before she started editing the podcast, but it was Lauren who yes. used to just be my neighbor who came to the shows, and then she was like, okay, if no one's gonna do it, I will, and then came up and knew like all the words so lauren and her girlfriend aaron got the tickets they go to this event jill Solbiel uh was there playing and then judy gold was doing comedy and during judy's set a guy has like a heart attack <gasps> in the audience like an older man there was like a medical situation wow and it happened during judy's set and they were so amazed by Judy because she handled it like a pro like she is like she stopped made sure he got some help but then also kept the energy of the room up that's around incredible. it and then jumped back into her her act and like finished strong once the guy got help like this is why we keep saying legend yeah yeah like <laughs> I I feel like I would just put the mic back in the stand and be like I'll, I'll be back in 10 uh, everyone get a drink <laughs> Yeah, it's a good I, time to refresh your drinks. I've seen footage of comics trying to keep going when an earthquake hits in LA, <laughs> <laughs> and always thought that would be the worst. But yeah, yeah, a heart attack takes the cake. That is insane. Right, right. Also, congrats, Lauren. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. Not to howl, but that is so funny. Yeah, no howling allowed. No howling and laughing <laughs> on, a on podcast. this podcast. <laughs> Melody, do we have a listener who needs help? Well, we sure do. We have we have a bunch actually, and this week we're going to get to one. And this week's listener question is: I'm 20 and recently out. I have never had sex with a girl before, but have dated and had other romantic interactions with women. I worry that people won't accept that I'm actually a lesbian since I've only had sex with men in the past. And we did kind of pare this down. It went on. Yeah, it was really repeating that same anxiety over and over again. (laughs) The cyclical thoughts that you're having and we feel you on that. Don't call me ageist, but you're only 20. And there are a lot of people who are 20 and they haven't had sex with anybody before. I was one of them. (laughs) Right. Like most most people, if if you're 20 and people are expecting you to have had so much sexual experience before, that's a weird expectation. Also, worry about it. You're... Dating history doesn't matter. All that matters is how you identify now and in this moment. Like, if you're a vegetarian and you've stopped eating meat for whatever amount of time, you're now a vegetarian and your meat-eating past does not matter, pardon the pun. Like, it's... Love that. <laughs> just what how you identify metaphor. now, right? Yeah, that's perfect. People aren't like, well, I'm not eating... I'm a vegetarian, but like I, I had a hamburger like last year. Um, I didn't need finish to see it. your cholesterol reports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's this is fine. You know, 
you're not alone in this anxiety. We have had listeners who've uh, shared these kind of thoughts before, but uh, this is really something that you think is a bigger deal than anybody else thinks. And if you run into somebody who would really care uh, about like, you're not a lesbian who like, I don't know the, the first woman I slept with, like we never, we never even talked about who, I don't know if I had slept with a woman before. Uh, yeah. It just like wasn't a, a thing you can't, like when you're that young, you just go for it. Like, even if would, you're not young and you're sleeping with a woman for the first yeah, time, the yeah. other woman generally doesn't tend to care, especially if it's like a casual thing. It doesn't matter at what age you're at, who you've slept with before, regardless. But I think especially when you're, when you're younger, people care even less like the only scenario where maybe somebody might wonder about it is like uh if you're older if you've only dated men and it's like a a lesbian who has really been uh had her heart broken recently by somebody who left her for a man like you know maybe then that person might be a little bit (laughs) suspicious but that's like a very specific scenario most of the time nobody will care so if this anxiety is like preventing you from um meeting people or trying to get to know people or open up to people do not let it get over it it's not a thing Mm -hmm. good luck Was, scissor away. <laughs> scissor away. You love to say scissoring. Yes, I love to encourage scissoring among, <laughs> among our listeners. Like, go out there and have sex and wear a mask somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, scissoring is the safest way to have sex during COVID. That's true. So get out there and scissor. You can keep your masks on. Your faces can be six feet apart. <laughs> Oh my god, scissor with a tall kind of basketball player and you're fine. <laughs> Your faces will be even further apart. Ultimate safety. If you have a question for us, we are actually I think we've like scared people away by talking about what a long list of questions we have that we're actually like chipping away at it. So we need to start filling the reserve. If you have a question for us, and it doesn't even have to be about yourself. If you want to know, like, Carolyn, when's the last time you scissored? I I guess you can write in dykingout at gmail.com. Yeah, it doesn't have to be advice. Yeah, it we don't call it advice. It's a listener question. Yeah, listener question. If you want to ask, is a Kia Soul uh, <laughs> a gay car? You know, you you can write that in too. We'll answer it. There you go. So diking out at gmail dot com for that. You can follow us uh, on social media at diking out everywhere and at diking out pod to keep our empty TikTok company. I, I'm running out of excuses. There's I know. really. I was like, is she going to bring it up again? I've got to make a video. We'll <laughs> uh, see. Yeah, I know. I've been sit. I've been sitting on an idea that's now like totally stale and not relevant anymore. It was. It was going to be an Animal Crossing joke, and I think everyone's over Animal Crossing now. Cecilia yeah. made a diking out island on Animal Crossing with a. With what was supposed to be a dike bar, it's like very diking out theme. There's diking out flags on on the island, and then she turned the dike bar into like Downton Abbey decor. <laughs> and I like that. What was the point of this? What was the point of this whole island? 
It's the gayest thing Cecilia did. You know it what? Is. How about since we are so close to our sweet, sweet 10K on Instagram with our coveted swipe up feature, we are so longing for what if once if we hit 10K, we'll do a TikTok dance on TikTok. Yes. That doesn't even, that's two totally different platforms, but. That's great. <laughs> whatever. That's fine. We I'm a millennial. Born, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's okay. Yeah, if we reach 10,000, we will do a TikTok and put it on there. So you can uh, maybe, you know, if if you have some followers, make, make a story, tell people to follow Diking Out, help us get there, help us cross the threshold, and I guess I'll start doing, like, some squats. I don't know. How do you start prepare stretching. for dance? Yeah. yeah, I'll stretch. <laughs> you can follow me uh, at TGI Carolyn on social media. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. And thank you for diking out with us this week. Dike out with us next week. And in the meantime, be kind to one another. Please do. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.